So you might have heard Walter say, my name's Paul. Um, I am the worship leader here. If it's your first time here, I am uh, filling in for Pastor Dave as he is on vacation with his family. As COVID-19 has spread and life for people all across the world has changed, it's possible that a lot of things that we once thought were normal before the pandemic will never be the same again. Some journalists predict that the virus has put an end to the middle class in America. As many companies like Boeing and Ford and American Airlines file for bankruptcy and the unemployment rises, many wonder if life will ever be the same, if our economy will ever be the same again. Some predict that COVID-19 has spelled the end of buffets as we know them. Will we ever be safe or will we ever feel comfortable waiting in line, grabbing a plate and then piling food on it that we know other people have probably touched um, and breathed on? Some of you might say that you've never felt comfortable doing that and then that's fine. Um, Some say that this virus has put an end to the high five. You may never see pro baseball players congratulate each other after a home run Uh, by high-fiving each other or be able to safely congratulate your kids by clapping them on the hands. As I work at Chick-fil-A, I wonder if I'll ever be able to see out in the dining room people walking all over it filled with kids and adults and the playground filled with kids playing. The virus is a problem and it's caused a lot of other problems, but looking at these... It could be easy to think that it's our biggest problem. Also, you don't have to look very far to recognize that our nation faces a problem when it comes to the issues of race, police brutality, and injustice. No matter how you stand, what you think about these issues, we can all agree that there is a problem, that something is wrong. But as we consider these issues, we can also be tempted to think that this is our greatest problem. The Bible teaches that there is a bigger problem, one that affects your life more every day than either of these problems, one that will ultimately matter most to you. In the passage we're going to look at today, we're going to see what Scripture says is this greater problem. And what God has done to solve it. So if you have your Bibles, go and turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. It's also on the worship guide online, or if you have the printed copy, you can follow along there. Romans 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. 
It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The greatest problem facing humanity is that each of us has sinned against a holy and a righteous God. Paul makes this point clear in verse 23 where he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This means that God has a standard and that you and I both fall short of it. But we tend to think that everyone else is evil except for us, that we aren't really bad people. But Paul confronts that too. In verse 10 of chapter 3, he says, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. The Bible is very clear. All humanity, all of mankind, you and I, are in serious trouble because of our sin. You and I are the problem. The greatest problem in your life is you. When you hear this, even if you're not a Christian, you know this to be true. You don't have to look to the Hitlers or the Jeffrey Epsteins of the world to recognize that something is wrong, that there is a problem. Even though you might not do bad things, you're still quick to think of yourself before others. You are quick to lust after sex and money and pleasure and to care more about what others think of you than what God thinks of you. We have rebelled against our Creator and thinking that we know better than Him and how we ought to live our lives. The Bible calls this sin, and because of this sin, we stand before God guilty and deserving of death. No amount of good behavior or feelings of remorse can fix this problem. But Paul doesn't stop here. He tells us that God has done something to solve our sin problem and to make us right with Him. Let's read these verses again. But this time we'll focus in on the first part of verse 25. Verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Paul tells us that God solves and remedies our sin problem by sending His own Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Verse 25, Paul says that God put Christ forward as a propitiation by His blood. That word propitiation means to appease 
or to satisfy someone's anger or wrath. The Bible is teaching here that Christ took on the full weight and punishment of God's wrath, His anger against our sin. And He did this on the cross where He shed His blood and died naked and alone. This is what you're proclaiming when you sing things like, In my place condemned He stood and sealed my pardon with His blood. When we cannot save ourselves or pay the price for our sin, God the Son took on humanity and suffered in our place as a substitute. In 2017, Business Insider ran a piece on fallen heroes during the dark moments of 9-11. Just a few minutes after United Airlines Flight 175 struck the South Tower of the World Trade Center, 24-year-old Wells Crowther called his mother and calmly left a voicemail. Mom, this is Wells. I want you to know that I'm okay. Crowther was an equities trader at Sandler O'Neill and partners on the 104th floor. But after that call, he, the man was, who was a volunteer in his teens as a firefighter made his way down to the 78th floor and became a hero to strangers known only as the man in the red bandana. Amid the smoke and the chaos and debris, Crowther helped injured and disoriented office workers to safety, risking his own life in the process. Though they couldn't see much through the haze, those he saved recalled a tall figure wearing a red bandana to protect his lungs and his mouth. He had come down to the 78th floor where there was an elevator meant to speed up the trip down to the ground level. In what's been described as a strong and authoritative voice, Crowther directed survivors to the stairway and encouraged them to help others while he carried a woman who was injured on his back. After bringing her down 15 floors to safety, he made his way back up to help others. One survivor described Crowther in this way. He's definitely my guardian angel, no ifs, ands, or buts, because without him, we would be sitting there waiting until the building came down. Crowther is credited with saving at least a dozen people that day. His body was later recovered alongside firefighters in a stairwell heading back up the tower. This man died saving the lives of other people. The many people that he saved, when they think of him, probably think, that should have been me. I should have died. But because of that man's sacrifice, I am alive today. Like Crowther, but in an even greater way, Jesus offered his life, suffered violently on the cross, and bore the weight of sin in order to save sinners. While you and I were headed for destruction and death, Christ came to our rescue, died in our place. Hallelujah, what 
a Savior. So what are we to do now? How are we to respond? Paul tells us in verse 25 that Christ's salvation is offered to us to be received by faith. When sinners are made aware of how gross and serious their sin is before God, and when they trust in what Jesus Christ has done for them on the cross, they receive forgiveness of sins and right standing before God. Their sin was placed on Jesus at the cross, and Jesus' perfect and sinless life is now counted toward them. Your greatest problem, my greatest problem, can only be solved in Jesus Christ. But in order to experience that solution, you and I must put our faith, put our trust in the one who accomplished it. For the Christian, God's word today ought to give you great hope and assurance. You were once enemies of God, dead in your sin and deserving of God's just wrath. But now you are children of God and heirs to the promises that he has given you in his word. But you cannot grow out of or forget where this salvation comes from. You're not saved because you lead a Sunday school class. You aren't saved because you're a nice person. You aren't saved because you believe in a God out there that's working for your best interest. But no, you are saved only because of what Christ has done for you on the cross. And that through faith in his work, you now receive the gracious gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. And this is why we sing in worship to Jesus. This is why we have eternal hope in Him. This is why you get rid of sin in your life because you know how serious it is before God. This is why we love those around us no matter the color of their skin. This is why we face all the other problems in life with hope because God is in control. For those who are not a Christian this morning, who have not put their faith in Christ, God's word today is a desperate call to you to place all your hope, all your faith in Jesus Christ. Because of your sin, rebellion against God, you stand condemned before him, deserving of his punishment. And the final result, the final punishment for this sin is eternal death and eternal separation from God. No matter how much service you've done in your community, no matter what social reform group you're a part of, no matter what family you come from, these things cannot and do not save you. But God is calling you now to repent of your sin, to turn from your sin, to put your faith in his son, the one who died in the place of sinners. God loves you, and he longs for you to know and to follow him, to trust in him today. Let's pray.